Hello, and welcome to FaithCast, a podcast presented by Publishers Weekly. FaithCast is a series of interviews with some of today's top authors who write about religion, spirituality, and inspiration. I'm Marcia Nelson, Religion Reviews Editor for Publishers Weekly. I'm talking today with the novelist Ted Decker. Today's FaithCast is sponsored by Ted's publisher, Worthy Publishing. Let me introduce Ted. He's the best-selling author of more than 30 novels. And as I discovered in preparing for this interview, PW has reviewed an awful lot of them. Let me just read this from his book jacket biography, and I will let it speak for itself. Decker was born to missionaries and grew up among cannibals in Indonesia, and his perspective outside the cultural bubble allows him to share provocative insights in his fiction. Now, I assume he lives a more domesticated life (laughs) in Austin, Texas, with his wife and children. So, I'll ask you more about your childhood later, and in the meantime, welcome, Ted. Well, it's great to be here, Marcia. We've had lunch together before, so it's so good to talk to you again. It's good to catch up again. Let's uh, start talking about the Outlaw Chronicles. You have a number of books coming up in rapid succession from that series. The Outlaw is a character who ties those books together. Tell us about the Outlaw. Tell us how you dreamed up another one of these Ted Decker characters. <laughs> well, Outlaw personifies essentially the truth that is that is deep within us. You know, it is said... And I believe without question that we are spiritual beings having temporary physical experiences. This life we see primarily as a physical life, you know, with all of its temporal facades and the struggles that we go through. But truly we are spiritual beings and are only temporarily residing in this physical world for a very, very short period of time. Outlaw, you can think of law as... All the laws that seem to confine us in this world. This wall is hard. You mm-hmm. know, when someone are, yells at me, I feel hurt. I feel threatened. When I was abused, it it hurt me and crushed me. When I, speaking from a personal perspective, was abandoned by my parents at age six, it threw me into a great place of suffering. These are all the laws. The laws that seem to dictate how we live this life. If I become successful and make a lot of money, I will be happy. Outlaw is essentially that voice within us that says, no, that's not true. There's a much deeper, more profound truth. And that is out of the law of that, of the death that holds you. I mean, in this physical world, yes, we die. You will soon die, Marsha. Soon meaning 30 years, 40 years, 20 years, or tomorrow. Ted, I'm glad you started with 30 years. <laughs> but I, I know the hour. We don't know when that truck will come around the corner. We're, this is the law that keeps us bound in death. Ultimately, you know, our physical death, which is absolutely guaranteed tomorrow or in 40 years, but coming soon. This is the law. Outlaw is then... The escape of those laws that confine us. Uh-huh. So really, I personify that inside of a character who's, maybe you could, you could think of him as kind of like a Yoda character. Indeed. Or, yeah? I get that, yes. Uh-huh. Like that, you know, so he's a real character, but he's transformed. He sees the world very differently, and he, and he, and he comes into stories as an impact character to help characters who are in deep trouble look at their lives differently. If you look at a a prism, you see red from one perspective and you just shift two degrees, very small, and you see a very different color. 
or you can on a radio dial. You can be at 99.8 and you hear a certain kind of music or it might be all very staticky and fuzzy and you just shift that dial just one little just one little notch just 2 degrees and suddenly clear music comes. So you can think of the static in life as like the law, all that keeps us in this place of suffering, questions, uh, the challenges that we face. Outlaw is stepping out of that law of death that brings us a complete and a transformative perspective, which aligns us with our true spiritual natures, which is beyond the law, which are beyond the laws of this world. It's transformative. Now, the way you have explained it makes the character of Stephen, the outlaw in the three books which I devoured this week, um, he, he has a small role in each of those, but it's absolutely pivotal. And so that makes the unfolding of the plot, the dynamics, and the changes in the principal characters who, who are, are featured in most of the action, that makes a whole lot more sense to me. Let me, because I'm sure your publisher wants me to do this, mention the specific titles that are out and forthcoming in the Outlaw series. Eyes Wide Open is the first one, and that came out in January, and A Water Walker has just come out, and I also have in my hand a a copy of Hacker as well. Let me ask you something different about that Outlaw series, because Ted, I know you're kind of a writing machine, and by that I simply mean speed, (laughs) but the the reason for the ability to have so many books out at once is is that I understand these started as self-published and then moved to print with uh, with Worthy. Yes. Um, can, can you tell me about your experience with self-publishing and, and how you decided to, to do that? What are your thoughts? This is such a hot topic in publishing right now. Well, these three novels, Eyes Wide Open, Water Walker, and Hacker, the Outlaw Chronicles, are young adult books. And I initially, you know, I'm not contracted to write young adult with my primary publisher of my adult books, which, you know, Hachette and Center Street with Hachette. And um, I had this novel called Outlaw, um, which is which takes place in the jungles of Indonesia. It came out from um, Center Street mm-hmm. in October of last year. These are then young adult books written with one of the main characters, Outlaw, who was introduced in the novel Outlaw. But I wanted to write them for, you know, as young adult books. Of course, all my young adult books are very... They're kind of like Twilight in a sense that anybody can read them. So initially, they were they were spin-off young adult books tied into Outlaw. Got and it. initially, I was just going to put them up, you know, put them up on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iBooks, wherever, just as digital as eBooks. And in the very beginning, I thought, well, maybe I'll also make some print copies available. I quickly, I quickly learned this was last year that there's no, it's almost impossible for. Um, to self-publish print books. This is my take, anyway. Okay. And, and I discovered that, you know, although I sold a tremendous, a lot of ebooks because I have right. a, a fairly a large, loyal fan base, that seventy percent of my readers, anyway, prefer print still. So I said, well, I quickly realized, you know, within a couple months, um, last year, going back a year ago, that uh, there's no. I mean, I absolutely need a publisher. A traditional publisher right. to take these out to the to the market. Right. I, I'm incapable of doing so. So, 
And so I ended up going with Worthy because they were willing to do a deal where I kept the digital rights and they just took the print rights, which is the deal that we have. That's why I was done that way. But most of the major publishers aren't willing to do that because there's so much revenue in the electronic editions of the books. I understand that. But I was in a place already where I needed to find somebody who would at least – they would take the print books out and put put them in the stores. So my view of self-publishing is this. In my experience, the major publishers are absolutely critical if you want uh, a broad distribution of your books. And, and in terms of just simply ebooks, there are so many people now self-publishing ebooks right. that it's becoming right. a very crowded marketplace. So even there, someone needs to make some noise. If you don't already have a very strong established fan base, right, which um, you do, yeah, which, which I do, then even with an ebook it's very difficult to be to be noticed. You need a publisher to help you with that process. You know, so for me, actually, it's very interesting, but this whole process has given me a great respect for what the traditional publishers do. And this is not something where this ebook revolution, if we can call it that, is not going to shift the way people read overnight at all. I think traditional publishers are here to stay for a very long period of time. Discoverability is really, really critical. We recently did a survey of all of my Thousands and thousands of people responded to a very in-depth survey that we did. And surprisingly, it's like 45% of my readers discovered me from recommendations of friends and family. 45% discovered me through browsing a bookstore or library. Mm-hmm. And then 10% through some other, you know, other, other things, uh, i.e. television, advertising, etc., but really, that huge, the huge, the big number, the telling number is that is are those who discover me by browsing bookstores, right, and, uh, and libraries, etc. That that placement, that physical placement, is critical for discoverability for any author. For that, you absolutely need a publisher. And I would say I was. It's also very important to be dis, for discoverability within the you know, Amazon culture, etc. Even right. there, you need horsepower behind you to have that book rise above the millions of other titles right. that are that are coming out. So it's been great. I mean, I, I was very successful as a self, you know, self publishing my eBooks, but only because I had a large following already. Right. It, even then, even then, it can't compare to what, what like, uh, like Center Street Hachette does for me. Ted, you know, I mean, we could talk about this uh, for much, much longer, and I'm certainly appreciative of the way in which you've added to my knowledge of this ever-evolving topic on which a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. But I'd like now to shift the conversation because I want to talk about Ted instead of about publishing. And <laughs> let's get to that unique childhood of yours as a missionary kid in Indonesia, I, and I think everyone else who's listening, wants to hear you talk about the way in which that shaped you, informed your characters. Well, you know, all writers write out of their own experience of life, and essentially all the characters they write are parts of them on some level. I've written about a number of serial killers. That doesn't mean I'm part serial killer, but there, there is... <laughs> but I, I'm obviously, in order for me to write compellingly about it, I'm writing about some form of pathology or darkness within me mm-hmm. that I'm exploring through my writing. Right, you know, okay. I mean, we're, we're all the same this way. Me growing up you know, in a very unusual setting amongst cannibals in the tribes of, deep in the jungles of Indonesia, son to missionaries, obviously religion played a big role in my early life. That has shaped a, a lot of my writing in many ways. 
Um, but probably what shaped it even even more was the fact that when I was six years old, I was sent to a boarding school and left alone in a world where I knew no one. And I was I was alone to fend for myself, and I was absolutely crushed. I was terrified, and I, I remember that first night. It's all I remember. The first night I was I cried myself to sleep. I was mm-hmm. devastated. All my security had been ripped away from me. I had been abandoned. My friends now tell me that I, that, that I, I cried myself to sleep for months every night. Well, obviously, that shaped me in a very, very significant way. Right. So two things happened in my, in, in my childhood. One, I was in a very foreign setting, and, and I was never at home any place I went because I was, you know, I grew up in the jungle, and then I went to school on the mm-hmm. coast in a different culture, and then I came to the United States in a very different culture, and then I went back to the jungle. And so I, always went out, I was always an outsider peering into a, another cultural bubble. It gave me the ability to observe things differently, to see things differently as an outsider. Mm-hmm. That, that's one thing. But the secondly, since I was abandoned as a child at age six, by the way, I do not blame my parents for that. They were only doing what they thought was best, which is what we all always do. But that put me on a journey to discover my true nature. Who am yeah. I then? Okay. I'm, I'm like that little bird going around, you know, that, that old uh, little, I think it was a Dr. Seuss, Seuss book. You know, this little bird goes to an elephant and then to a giraffe and she, the bird doesn't know who its mother is. And are you my mother? Are you my mother? So my entire life has been a search for significance, a search for meaning. Who am I? What does it mean to be a human? Where did I come from? What's my source? Who is God? Is there a God? What does that mean for this life? Is there an afterlife? I mean, within the context of all of existence, my entire existence, who am I and how does my experience today play into my true identity? I've been obsessed with those kinds of questions and all of my books explore them in very profound and provocative ways. So that's how my childhood has influenced my writing. Okay, and I have to say, when, when you were talking about that, particularly the, the question, who am I, it, I could see how that was woven into the, the, the Outlaw Chronicles, where who am I is a very explicit question in, in eyes wide open. Sure. And it's interesting to me that you're talking about, you know, deeply philosophical, religious, and metaphysical questions in uh, a set of books written for young adults in in, in ways yeah. that um, I'm not trying to be patronizing I'm afraid that might have come off as patronizing but that's about the time when you start asking that the question who am I <laughs> absolutely I mean you know younger people today young adults today are they seem to be far more advanced in many of the respects than than we were and there's probably lots of reasons for that but they're thinking out of the box much more than my generation did I thought a lot of out of the box because I was I grew up out of the box so to right, speak you know right. and was shifted between boxes and so for me these questions came very young and very natural and young adults today are the, are the same way they're very astute in, in this regard my, all my books are very philosophical but those I write them in very po- I write popular fiction you know right. thrillers where if those questions are not very interesting to a person it has no bearing whatsoever 
on their engagement of the story. They, they can be abstract questions. I mean, philosophers answer them quite abstractly. But, you know, I, the thing that I remember best about the last time that we had lunch and then you gave us a, a talk afterward, you said, I, you said something along the lines of, I write about important questions in a language that people can understand. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me in the couple, three years since I heard you say that. Well, story is the language, is the primary language of life because we're living a story. We're creating our story as we go. We understand story. Ideas are boring in and of themselves to a lot of people. Show me what that means to my day-to-day life. Show me what that means to my relationship right now. I'm going through a very difficult time with my spouse or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my parents, and I feel like I'm in hell. Show me. You know, uh-huh. I, I write about the struggles of life, and I, and I have a lot of darkness in my books. Yes. Primarily, people, you know, we can talk a little bit about that if you wish, but my books are ultimately, they explore the great beauty and love that resides within us, within the context of a seemingly a very troubled world. So all of my books bring the troubled world to the surface, those waves that threaten to crush us, the stormy seas of life, the great questions of life, but also the little things in life that constantly keep us, you know, striving to break out. But really my books are all love stories. They're about the beauty that we discover how beautiful we are. We don't realize how beautiful we are as people. We are the light of the world. Jesus looked out over the whole, the throng, the crowd, and the Sermon on the Mount, and he said to all of them, you are the light of the world. But, and then I'll paraphrase, but you have covered your true identity up Mm -hmm. with a false identity, and so you suffer, and you are stuck in misery. Well, my books seek to one, to primarily to bring back into focus the beauty of who we are, the great power we have as being sons and daughters of our Father. We are spiritual beings having only a temporary physical experience in this life, and yet we identify almost exclusively with this life, forgetting who we truly are mm-hmm. before and after this life and during this life. So, yeah, darkness is a very, you know, light shines in the darkness. And I've explored that darkness in many ways, but only to bring out the true beauty. In the end, it's all about that beauty and love of who we are. And there, my readers go, oh, great healing comes to them as a result of that. Let me ask you, not because I want to harp on it or anything, but let me ask you a little bit more specifically about the the aspect of darkness in your work, because for some folks, it's just plain too dark or or creepy. So how do you, in in light of the (laughs) fact that, you know, of everything you've just said eloquently, how do you draw lines about what you will or you won't include in a book? That's a great question. Certain things just offend people in general, uh, too many people, and so I just leave them alone. So anything that's gratuitous, I, I don't think anything I've ever written is gratuitous, from my perspective anyway. But I stay from, from sex primarily, because it doesn't, unless I were to book, write a book specifically about sexuality, which is a huge topic, but a lot of my readers feel uncomfortable with that. And so I just, okay, I'm not going to offend them, I just stay away from it. That's number one. Number two is language. Certain kinds of language do not communicate offend people 
Okay. So I stay away from language. Those are really the only two things that are huh. that I've stayed away from in, in my novels. When it comes to violence, um, I'm not gratuitous in violence. It's not. There's never any violence for the for violence' sake. I have violence and I have suffering in my books, and I write that for today's for, for today's culture. Okay. We live in a world today that is is that that is wants authenticity and vulnerability. The younger generation right. in particular, authenticity and vulnerability are, are very, very important. Be real with me. You know, to, right? I want to read a story in which I feel like I'm in hell because that's how I feel in real life sometimes. Ah, uh, okay. And show me the way out of that hell because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for happiness in my life within the struggles. You know, my parents just got divorced and I feel like it's my fault. And I have a hard time even getting out of bed. I am suffering. I hate myself. I look in the mirror and I see somebody who's got pimples and is overweight and I despise myself because I do not look like Angela, Angelina Jolie. Well, right. I'm just throwing things out. But the point is, yeah, this yeah, is no, where no, people no. I, live. I'm, I'm understanding because that's actually a, a, a line that, not a line or, or a plot line is really what I meant in, in Eyes Wide Open. Yes, so. more specifically, exactly, right. um, with that right. novels. When I use a serial killer, my intent in doing that is simply to put the reader in a place where they are somewhat bothered and they are, oh my gosh, how's the character going to get out of, of this situation? Oh, that poor character. Well, there is a way out. And that's one reason why I do it. But I will also say this. My darkest novels, um, I'm now writing novels that aren't nearly as dark as some of those that I've written in the okay. last five years. Because oh. I write about things, I write from, from where I am. And I write to explore. And I've gone through some dark times in my life where I felt completely abandoned, you know, by faith and religion and God. Where I felt untethered. Where I felt like none of this is making sense in some ways. And I felt like I was in a, in a prison. I felt like I was imprisoned by religion in many respects. And so I wrote novels like sanctuary about a prison in facing that darkness i myself have found a tremendous amount of grace and peace and now i'm writing novels that are far more transformative and dwell much less in that darkness so a writer you know i've i have this library of whatever 35 novels that i've written they all represent different slices of my life at the time that i was writing i write to just to deal with what i'm going through at that time does that make sense um, you know, you've actually sort of answered uh, one of the questions I had in mind. Um, what's the difference between your your work today and the and the work of a younger Ted Decker? And it, it sounds to me like you're either saying um, you're happier, or you're more grounded in faith, or maybe you're just older Ted. I don't know. What do you think? Certainly, all of the above. But I think that I have. They say, and I too believe, without a shadow of doubt. When it comes to all struggles and all those things that we think threaten us in this life, there's no way around them. You can only go through them. And the way through them, as it turns out, is into ourselves. Because the kingdom of heaven is within. Okay. That great reservoir of peace, the light of the world, is within us. And so, but as it turns out, we get to go through this darkness, through the dark valley before we find the light beyond it. Um, I would say that in my journeying, I have 
worked through a lot of that darkness and found a great place of liberty and peace. Okay. But only by going through it. This is the perfect setup for my final question because I want to respect our our time. We know that Hacker is uh, due out in June. That will conclude the Outlaw Chronicles because I want to know what's what's next. For now. For now. Okay. For now. And then after the Outlaw Chronicles, what's what's next? Well, I, I have for the last 10 years been trying to work up the courage, been, been slowly working up the courage and finally come to a place in my life where I can write a novel that I've been dreaming about for 10 years. And I would say honestly that almost everything that I've written has led up to the series called AD. AD 30 is the first book. And it's a, it's a historical novel that takes place in AD 30. But it's about a, a woman who's a princess, but she's, turned, she's been made a slave, who comes out of northern Arabia and comes into Palestine and meets this mystic named Yeshua. It's a sweeping epic with war and romance and betrayal and crushing defeat and great victory. But, you know, the teaching, I've always wanted to examine the teaching of Yeshua as understood by a foreigner during his life, the transformative power. What is the way of Yeshua? As understood at that time by those few who followed the narrow path. And this is a story of those few who followed the narrow path of Yeshua, Jesus, following his teachings, and the great, incredible power that came to them as a result of following his way. Nobody's written a novel like this ever. But, you know, um, it's a fresh, a totally fresh look at the life of Jesus through the eyes of a woman who, is, who lives in shame and finds her true beauty. And through the lens of an outsider as well. I, I, I heard that element as you were describing the, the plot. Yeah. Right. We could talk more, but we actually can't because our time is ending. And so I want to thank you very, very much, Ted, for taking time out from your really busy writing schedule to tell us uh, what you're up to and, and what's next. Thanks, Ted. Uh, It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Marsha. I appreciate it. Let me conclude by reminding our listeners that uh, Ted Decker's novel, Water Walker, was published in paperback on March 18th. It's also available digitally. Hacker, the next, and as Ted said, for now, next for now, book in the uh, Outlaw Chronicles will be published in paper on June 10th and will also be available digitally. Both of these books are from Worthy Publishing, the sponsor of today's FaithCast. I'm Marcia Nelson from Publishers Weekly. Thanks very much for listening.